0: to the book of Luke chapter 8 and we're going to read verse 25. Luke 8 and 25. Hallelujah. And this is what it reads like. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him. Notice he questioned them, and he asked them, Where is your faith? Let's pray. God, as we come today, we thank you for what you've done in our midst. I know that you've touched a lot of people here today already. But now, Lord, as we sit down around your table to feast from your word, I'm asking, God, you give us a word from you that will carry us through this week and help us as we go on our daily life and through things in life. In Jesus' name does the church say amen and amen. You can be seated. I've heard some comments today about faith. There's been some things said throughout the service. And uh, I'm going to be dealing, I'm going to talk a little bit with you about distinctions of faith, distinctions of faith. This will be just a first message today. I finished the series last week, and um, we're, going to, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about faith, because faith is, is one of the most important things that you need to have and got to have as a child of God. First of all, the Bible says without faith it's impossible to do something. Can somebody tell me what that is? You can't please God without faith. A lot of churches, uh, they talk about their standards and, and their rules that they got to go by and everybody has to go by and all that kind of stuff. But I'm going to tell you something. All the rules and the standards and everything else aside, you ain't gonna please God unless you got faith. And uh, Brother Darrell mentioned about faith while he was uh, leading worship. Well, there the Bible has a lot to talk about faith, and there's different kinds of faith. And I'm gonna talk about those distinctions of faith beginning today and on this on this first message. Um, as we begin our investigation into the various distinctions of faith, I'm, I want us to consider what I'm going to call, for the benefit of this lesson, misplaced faith. Misplaced faith. When the storms, was, uh, when the disciples were on the Sea of Galilee, the storm came upon them, Judas was asleep. And everything that was going on, finally they went and they woke him up. They sung the song that went along with this Friday night that, uh, that's a very popular song for the Bowling family right now that your cries have awoken the master. I love that song. Hallelujah. But when um, Jesus got up, he asked him, Where is your faith? And from that, I'm going to preach to you for a few minutes on a subject titled, Misplaced Faith. Misplaced Faith. The dictionary definition of misplaced is to put in a wrong or inappropriate place. If you look in a dictionary and you look up the word "misplace," it says to put in a wrong or inappropriate place. So we are not referring to something lost or forgotten. Maybe when you look at this scripture first off, when Jesus said, where's your faith? That's just like, I'm all time asking Sister Darlene, where's my glasses? Or where's my car keys? You see, a lot of people want to know why men get married. That's the reason so somebody can let you know where you laid something down and couldn't find it. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. But when Jesus asked His disciples, where is your faith? We're not referring to something here that was lost. They didn't lose it or they, they didn't forget it like I've lost my glasses and forgotten my car keys a million times. We, but rather we are dealing with we are dealing with placing something, in this, in, in this instance, we're talking about faith, in a place where it doesn't belong. Remember, if you look up the word misplace, it's not what you might always think, well, when I'm, if, if I misplace something, you know, I've, I've lost something. The disciples had not lost their faith. They had misplaced their faith. Their faith was in a wrong or an inappropriate place. Now, you just follow me. I'm going to go somewhere with this. So having faith, church, is not the total sum of the issue. But having faith where it belongs. There's a lot of people got faith, but they got the faith in the wrong place. Hello, somebody. Somebody. Having faith is not this total sum issue, but having faith where it belongs. And the only place that could possibly be is in the word, or may I say the directive of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where your faith should be. That's where my faith should be. Hallelujah. When Christ speaks his directive or if, if I'm if I'm uh getting over your head a little bit there, when God speaks His will for your life, that word is where your confidence should be. Because His word, listen to me now, if God has spoken, if God has revealed His will, then that's where our faith is. Now, I know I've heard, there's some people get down and downtrodden about sometimes the long process it takes to get started to try to get back home and get rebuilt. And we've run through some obstacles. We've had to jump through some hoops. But there's something that I know. And if I didn't know that that I would let it get me down and you'd see Pastor coming here with my head drugged down every Sunday wall, rigging my hands and worrying about what are we going to do. I don't have to worry about what we're going to do because my faith is not in Metro codes. My faith is not in First Tennessee Bank for the loan. My faith is in what God has spoken for this church. And that's where my faith is placed. Glory to God. And that's why that I can rejoice and shout because God has already spoken what He wants. When Christ speaks His directive into your life, that Word is where your confidence should be because His Word can't be nullified, changed, or destroyed by circumstance or power of the enemy. Evidently, somebody didn't hear me. I said, when God has spoken into your life and given you a word and given you a directive, circumstance that happens to you or the power of the enemy that comes against you can't nullify that word. He can't change that word, and he can't destroy that word. That's what makes the devil so mad. He knows he can't stop us but he thinks he can pull the wool over our eyes to make us waste our time worrying and fretting over power that he don't have control of. That's what he'll try to do. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Listen, let me give you a couple of scriptures. One in Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 24. It says, The Lord of hosts has sworn... Now, don't you go around swearing because you're not perfect like God is. God is the only one that can do that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord has sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I have purposed, so it shall stand. Now, that makes the devil mad because he knows he can't change the Word of God. He can't change God's will. He can't change God's directive. God has already spoken His will towards Christ's family church, and though, hallelujah, amen. He'll try to get you to forget what God has told you sometimes. There have Listen, there have been a times that the devil has tried to make me forget something, but you know what? The whole Thank God for the Holy Ghost it always brings it back. Last year at Man's Conference when a man walked up to me that didn't know nothing about me and what I've been going through, laid his hands on me began to prophesy. And, began, and the prophecy was this. God says, I'm giving you a name change. From now on, your name shall be blessed. And those who follow you shall be blessed. Hallelujah. Now, the devil tries to make you forget that from time to time, but thank God we're moving on. If God said it, ain't no devil in hell can stop it. Isaiah 14 and 27, For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who shall disannul it? And his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? I, glory to God! I, why are you so happy, brother Sammy? I tell you why. Because you can't lose with what we use. Hallelujah! I'm beginning to feel the preacher now. Hallelujah! God has already whispered a little bit in my ear what his will is for us. And ain't no devil in hell going to stop it, glory to God. And if you'll take that stand in your own personal life, you don't have to walk around all beat up with your tail tucked between your legs because you're a child of the king. Hallelujah, the devil can't stop you. <laughs> Listen, church. When God speaks a word as being a directive showing His purpose and will for your life, that is where your confidence and faith should stand because nothing in heaven or earth can avoid it. If we look back in our text before the storm, now I read to you what was going on when Jesus was awoke, but if we back up in that text and we find out something before the storm struck, we can see a directive that should have been enough for the disciples in the boat. Luke chapter 8 and verse 22. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples. And he said unto them, Let us... Let me see what y'all are reading. Let, let me He didn't He made that plural, didn't he? He said Let us This is important, very important. It came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples. And he said unto them, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. Listen to me, church. When Jesus rebuked the wind, he turned around and he asked his disciples, Where is your faith? You see, they had not lost it. They had misplaced it. And that will produce the same result as having no faith at all misplace faith. Jesus has already gave them enough, where they shouldn't have been worried or scared. Right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes I carry on with uh, uh, Sister Darlene and, and 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 the girls, and uh, sometimes I'll uh, I'll text message something. You know, if I have to do something, sometimes. Get all them that busload of kids off of mine, you know. And I'll, I'll text message something and, and, and send it out and make a comment. About, uh, when I'll say something uh, about uh, Sister Darlene uh, uh, and uh, this or that, or, and uh, one, of them, one of them will come back and they'll, and they'll say, I'm, I'm gonna tell mama, and then I'll come back and say, Go ahead, I ain't scared. But then after one of them texts his mama and tells mama how I've been doing, then I text them back and I say, thanks, big mouth, or something like that. Then one of them daughters will come back and say, I thought you wasn't scared. (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God. You see, if the disciples had listened to the Word of God, before the storm came, Sister Marcia, they didn't have no reason to be scared. Because before the, long before the storm came, Jesus says, let's us go together on the other side of the lake. But now, the storm had come, Jesus was asleep, and they'd been doing all they know to do, and they got scared. They thought they was going to die. What made them think they was going to die? What made them think they was going to drown? Because they got in the flesh. There was no reason for them to be all upset and worried and frightened scared about nothing because Jesus says, let us go to the other side. If they had listened to the word or the directive of the Lord, they didn't have nothing to worry about because Jesus didn't have no plans of going over there by himself. Amen. He didn't have no plans of going there by himself. Let us, you see... That's where they messed up. They got in the flesh, and they misplaced their faith. Now, I'm going to talk just a little bit about that. What is misplaced faith? And I, and I gave you what Mr. Webster said, faith put in the wrong or an inappropriate place. But how do we do that? Well, exactly what the disciples were doing. The first thing, Misplaced faith, number one, is faith placed in, in personal experience. And I know I'm hitting a whole lot of us right dead head on the toes right here. Faith placed in personal experience. it has been a lot of times that I've gone through some stuff because I was putting my faith in Sammy's experience and Sammy's know-how, hello somebody, rather than putting it on God. Misplaced faith is any time you place your faith on personal experience. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. And my speech and my preaching was not within tithes and words of man's wisdom, but in, the, in demonstration of the Spirit and power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's powerful, son. The Apostle Paul relates an important spiritual principle to the saints at Corinth that then human wisdom is not an appropriate place for your faith to stand. Hallelujah. And the apostle demonstrated this to them by personal example. He said, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Paul knew that his wisdom couldn't get the job done. Paul knew when he went somewhere to preach that his experience couldn't get the job done. He couldn't cut the muster for what the people needed. Do you hear what I'm saying? So Paul didn't waste his time on giving the people big long hundred dollar words, he could do it. He had he had he had the education. He was trained, but he didn't depend on personal experience to have revival. Listen to me, human wisdom comes about mainly through human experience. Hallelujah. Human wisdom comes about mainly through human experience. Knowledge comes through education and training. We get our knowledge through education and training. But our wisdom, for the most part, comes about through our own experience, personal experience. And because of this, we got a tendency, listen to me close, we got a tendency to rely on past experience to guide us through present difficulties. Oh, I've been through the school of hard knocks. We'll brag about that. What school you been? I've been through the school of hard knocks. And that's taught me some things. I've I've gotten through this and I've gotten through that. So now I'm going through a difficulty in my life right now. I'm I'm being attacked on the right and the left. So now I'm a child of God. I'm Holy Ghost filled. But instead of seeking God, Falling on my knees and putting my faith in the word of God. Here I'm reaching way back here through my past experience and what I've been through, and you relying on your wisdom rather than the power of God. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. let me tell you something, folks. We don't need human wisdom around here. We don't need we don't need human experience to teach us how to get back over there and get our church built. And a lot of times that's one thing that causes uh, strife and confusion in church when they're going through things like that because you got too many people want to stand up and say, well, i got the best way here. Nobody says, no, i got the best way off. Everybody wants to grunt and grumble and complain about, listen, folks, it don't make no difference what your past experience is. It ain't going to get the job done. It can't cut the mustard. We need a word from God. It ain't nothing that's going to do. Hallelujah. Your past experience and my past experience will not get the job done. Hallelujah. Listen. This is where the disciples in the boat misplaced their faith. Years of living and working as fishermen on the Sea of Galilee had told them that you don't survive a storm like this. These guys wasn't no novices. They wasn't rookies. They had spent, they had grown up around the Sea of Galilee. Fishing and boating was all they knew. And some of them knew it pretty well. James and John's daddy, they was in business with their daddy. They had a pretty good uh, fishing corporation right there. Amen. And they knew how to handle that boat. And they've seen a lot of storms. They've seen a lot of storms. And that wasn't only that wasn't the first storm they ever seen. That wasn't the first one they've ever been through. So, that's why Jesus asked the question, where's your faith? Not that you lost it or that you... Uh, uh, have laid it aside and and forgotten it somewhere, but you misplaced it. You have put your faith in a wrong place. You have put your faith in an inappropriate place. You're putting your faith in your year's experience as fishermen and boatmen on the Sea of Galilee. Because you see, Jesus had gave them a word before the storm. He said, let's go to the other side. That let them know that it was Jesus' will for them all to go to the other side. But when the storm come and here they was a rowing and they was doing everything listen, they had done everything that they knew to do before they woke up Jesus. They didn't call on him first. They tried everything else first. How many times do we always reach for something else before we reach for Jesus? Hello. Glory to God. And they had been on on the Sea of Galilee for years. And their experience was what made them afraid. And what made them get scared is their experience was sitting on their shoulder whispering, Hey, you don't survive a storm like this. Don't no fisherman ever come back home. And then the devil steps on the other side and says, That's right, that's right. Don't you remember that flick? The perfect storm. Some of you know where I was coming from there. Hallelujah. Amen. You're not going to get out of this alive. Amen. My years of experience has taught me that. But you know what? Their years of experience was wrong. Hello, somebody. Somebody they were trusting their experience more than they was the word that Christ had spoken them when he said let's go to the other side I don't know who God's talking to but God's talking to somebody hallelujah their years of experience have told them you don't survive a storm like that and they believe their human experience as fishermen over to the directive of a word that Christ had spoken before the storm hit folks here's the best thing for all of us to do Let's get things settled before the troubles of life come because I'm going to tell you something. Troubles are going to come. And what we need to do is get our minds settled and prepared before the storm hits. Hallelujah. When you're, when you're, when you're uh, flopping around now trying to row your boat in the middle of Katrina to, get, uh, to develop a plan how to get saved, you've waited too late. Hello, somebody. You need to make the plan up and find out what you're going to do before Katrina comes around. Hallelujah. You need to place your faith into the Word of God. Hallelujah. So, listen to me. Storms have a tendency to change things in a matter of moments. In one minute, the sky is clear blue with the sun shining. The next minute, the sky is dark with no view of the sun's light. In one minute, there's a peaceful breeze and birds chirping. The next minute, the wind is howling and the thunder is rolling. Let me tell you something. Why it's important for you to get on a service like we have this afternoon and just to pour it all out and turn yourself freely over to Jesus because you don't know by the time you get out of this parking lot, a storm might run right down over you. Storms can change things in a New York minute. Come on. I know exactly about that. When I got that radio call on that bus that afternoon from dispatch and uh, and saying that I needed to pull that bus over and and call the dispatch office uh, as soon as possible because uh, uh, my wife had been involved in a car accident. Let me tell you something. Your whole life can change in just a matter of moments. That's how I come that you need to understand and realize what you're going to do before the storm hits. I wish that I could stand here and tell everybody, Oh, oh God, I wish I could. I wish I could tell you that if you give your life to the Lord and you start to serve God, that you don't have to ever worry about a storm again. But it's not that way, folks. As long as we're in this world, there's going to be stuff that we're going to have to go through with. And it's not always, it ain't ain't always God trying to, to chastise you and punish you. It ain't always the devil on your back. As Brother Bobby said when he was talking a while ago, some things are just life. Some things are just life. Hallelujah. And in the same manner, when the disciples lifted anchor to cross the other side, all was peaceful and calm. When Jesus said, let's go to the other side, the sun was shining. I mean, it was just a nice, beautiful day. Everything was peaceful and calm when they lifted anchor to head to the other side. Then, in the middle of the voyage, all hell broke, broke out. They applied everything their years of experience as sailors had taught them, but everything they tried failed. They misplaced their faith by placing it on experience, skill, and human effort. And in the course of all the distraction, they forgot the directive and the word spoken to them by the master that said it was his will to go to the other side. And I'm here to tell you, folks, if it's God's will to take you to the other side, ain't no storm going to stop you. I said if God wants to take you across town or across country or across this planet, ain't no devil in hell going to stop you from going. You've got to settle it in your mind. Settle it in your spirit long before the storm comes. And then if you do that, the storm can't take you under. If God has ever spoken His will for your life, and you know He has a directive for you to accomplish, that is where your faith should be placed. Not somewhere else. Not the present storm, which you're going through, and not in your personal experience to get you through it. If you do that, you misplace your faith. Now, I know already I'm not going to be able to finish this, but I'm going to get a little bit just briefly in the second part before I close. Misplaced faith is also faith placed in personal assets. And for people who live in America, this really hits home. Because... I ain't got no idea. I don't know uh, what everybody's financial level here. That's in this uh, uh, in this church. Uh, it's none of my business to know. Uh, but the one who's got the least, the one who would say would be on the bottom of, of, of the totem pole as far as material goods and and uh, and, and money in your, in, in your back account or back pocket. Uh, all those things. The one who we would consider the poorest person in in this church is a millionaire compared to three-quarters of the rest of the people who live in the world. There's nobody in here poor. If you want to see poor, crawl on an airplane with me. Let's go to Haiti. Let's go to Bangladesh. Amen. Go to the the whole the whole rest of the world. Let me tell you something folks. If we were born and raised here in the Americas, Amen, this is where we primarily spent it. You never you, we don't people don't understand how, how blessed this nation is. Hallelujah. You know, the devil's got you running around complaining about the economy right now? The economy nothing. Young people, people people uh 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 under forty years old and under, one running around talking about how bad the economy is, and, and and the devil's got them all wringing their hands and worried about this and worried about that. We need to talk. about You won't talk about badness. Go back before my time. Go back to the time of my dad, who uh, 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 in nineteen twenty nine, when the stock market crashed and all the banks in the U.S. closed the doors. We still, we haven't got to that point yet, folks. Hallelujah. We ain't got nowhere near that. Amen. Yeah, things are, uh, things are tight and things are tough in uh, 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 a lot of areas, but we got it made, folks, compared to most of the people live in the world and the rest of the world. A lot of people base their faith on their personal assets. There are many in this old world who seem to think that if they can just accumulate wealth... And material possession, they will be able to handle any problem or situation that may come their way. But personal assets cannot buy a soul or redeem a soul from death. Did you hear me? A lot of people, especially people in this nation, we have a tendency to think, well, if I can, if I can uh, collect a certain amount of assets, if I can build up a certain amount of financial clout, material. Goods that I I can handle anything that happens. (laughs) My, 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 my. Boy, I'm going to tell you what the devil's got those folks' food, don't he? Yeah. But you know how ridiculous that is? Now, I know uh, this is, uh, there's some of you uh, that can go back a lot further than this. I know what my dad the first job he had and I don't know what he made because he's told me that story but I, I, can, I go back to when Sister Darlene and myself got married I was um, I was making a dollar and eighty cents an hour a dollar and eighty cents an hour and with that dollar and eighty cents an hour I went out well, I knew we was getting married and I planned ahead of time I put back and everything I had a house rented had furniture bought and was ready to set up housekeeping when we got married but everything was going pretty good because you know we was working I had given the Lord his part but then, see, where you get misplaced at is when you start looking at other people. Said we were getting by fine, and we was eating good, and everything else had a, had a nice little house we was renting. But then I was talking to somebody, and uh, they had uh, just landed a job, and they were, and they were, they were making $3 an hour. And'm I'm, I'm talking about placing your faith in in your assets assets. I've got to get careful how I talk now and Brother Paul, you know what you know what I thought when I heard about this other person making three dollars an hour, it got it uh the devil used it to get my mind off of how we were getting by all right and I got to thinking. I says, You know what? if I could ever make three dollars i says i says i'm paying all the bills and every I get paid um you know, every week, and at payday, I still had fifteen or twenty bucks left in my pocket after taking care of everything and i got to th- i said you know i begin to i begin to do what the Bible says we shouldn't I begin to covet. I begin to think, man, if I could ever get around to make three dollars an hour.' man, all my problems would be over. Man, if I could ever get up to $3 an hour, I'd be living high on the hog. But you know what? When the day come that I was making $3 an hour, my my rent went up. I had a house rented... I had a house rented on Antioch Pike out there. And back then, the water bill and, and sewer bill in Metro Nashville was so low that you only paid your water bill and sewer bill once every three months. And I, my water bill once every three months wasn't about 5 or $6 dollars every three months. And here I was finally. I changed jobs and I was making $3 an hour. I got on, I got a job, I was making $3 an hour. But I began to look around, I didn't have as much money as I did before. You see, it just goes to show, folks, and and that scenario just changes all the time, all the time, all the time. If you're not careful, the devil will have you going around in circles. Amen. And we start saying, if, 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 if. And we start placing our faith on our material things, on our assets, rather than putting our faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And uh, I, we're going to get tight here right now. But as Brother Carl, you say it's the truth anyhow. Personal assets cannot buy a soul or redeem a soul from death. I don't care how much you got. That's the reason that I never have understood, and I say this, folks. I say this in the most humblest way I can, not, not being trying to be harsh, or nothing like that. Please take this in the spirit that I intended. But that's the reason why that I never have understood people who will place the making of money ahead of worshiping God. Those who will think missing out on overtime is far worse than missing out on church service. Hello, somebody. Or those who will hoard and pinch pennies when they know somebody's in need or that God's house needs a new roof. I never have understood that. I don't think I ever will. Our faith shouldn't be in the material goods. It shouldn't be in our assets. Amen. But yet, we prioritize finances and do, do something that would help me put a few more buck, bucks in my, in my pocketbook or in my bank account. Hello, somebody. And we think getting that, all that overtime I can get is far more important than worship service. Psalms 49, 6 and 8. They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves and the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother or give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious and it ceases forever. There's nothing more precious than your soul. I don't care how much money you're going to make tomorrow when you punch that clock, but I promise you what you're getting here today is far more valuable since from from 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock when we leave here, you're going to receive something far more valuable than you're going to receive all week long wherever you work. And if you think that will take you farther than this, the devil's got you deceived. Deceived. He's got you deceived. I come to tell somebody here today that you won't always be able to buy your way out of every situation that comes your way. If money... Listen to me. I'm I'm, going to close. I'm winding down right now. I promise. I've got to. I don't have no other choice. I've got to close. But I'm going to tell you this as I close. If money is your God, try paying... Or let me put it this way. If money is your God... Why don't you try praying to the greenback when you're two breasts from eternity? All that time you skip out church, skip out prayer time to make some more overtime. Because, oh, if I can just get it, I get a little bit more ahead and I'll, I'll be more prepared for a rainy day. You want the best way to, for you to prepare for a rainy day? Get prayed up. Get ready before the storm going to God. Hallelujah. The devil's got too many church people to see. Good God, we, we, when, when we talk about it, we get together, we talk about it and we say that's right. But we don't never begin to apply our lives to that principle. Hallelujah. But if money is your God, when you're only two breaths away from eternity, pull out that $50 bill or that $100 bill and start praying to it for deliverance. Hello, somebody. You, th- you, think it'll, you think it'll save you then? Listen to me. Bow down on your knees and pray to that vehicle that you cherish so much. Now, I know we got an ongoing, an ongoing thing here between Fords and Chevys, but it don't matter what you make or model. Just bow down on your knees and pray to that vehicle that you cherish so much and you even use God's money to buy with. and ask that car or that truck to take you up to heaven because you were left behind when the trumpet sounded. I don't care if you're on a Ford or Chevy, it ain't going to be able to get you up off the ground if you're left behind when the rapture occurs. Hello? Ain't nobody else there, but I'll say it. pastor's preaching now. Hallelujah. So, if all these things, all these material goods are we making God, and anything you put ahead of God, the Lord, you are making it your God. Hallelujah. You are bowed down to it. You might not be doing it literally, but you're doing it in spirit. Hallelujah. Oh, God, don't let us misplace our faith on things that will one day perish. Hallelujah. Today, some of us place our faith on ability, experience. Others place their faith on employers, doctors, and, and God help them. But there's still some people. I don't see how. There's still some people placing their faith on elected officials. That is about the silliest thing going. Hallelujah. Uh, Somebody said, what, what, what are you doing, Brother Sammy? I'm enjoying this change he told me I was going to get two years ago. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but that change ain't working too well for me. Yes, all of these things, all of these things, and listen, I, listen to Pastor Close. Your ability, your experience, your employers, your doctors, people in Congress or the White House, or even family and, and friendship, all of these things if you place upon them above God is misplaced faith. Faith put in the wrong or in a place. When you place your faith on the Word and its authority, you can live free of worry, doubt, fear, and the rest, and rest in the assurance of God.